All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James, I'm your host, and today is episode 86. So did y'all miss me? (laughs) I'm happy to be back, I'm happy to be doing an episode. This one is a fantastic one. Before I dive into today's episode, I want to always thank you all for listening and for, you know, just want to take a moment and thank you all for, again, finding the show. And make sure if you do like what you hear today, tell a friend about the show. And if you really like the episode, then leave a review wherever you get your podcast. That really does help. So today I have a special treat We're going to talk all about mustard. I have Barry Levinson on the show to tell us all about the National Mustard Museum. He has a few fascinating stories, as well as a brief history of mustard. Here's Barry. Okay, well, my name is Barry Levinson, and I am the founder and curator of the National Mustard Museum in Middleton, Wisconsin. How did the Mustard Museum start? Well... I can blame it or credit it all to the Boston Red Sox um, because in 1986, the Red Sox were in the World Series and they were very close to winning it. I mean, game six, they were ahead by two runs in the bottom of the 10th inning. Uh, There were two outs. It looked like victory was assured. And of course, there was the famous Bill Buckner error and they lost and they lost game seven as well. Well, uh, growing up as a diehard Red Sox fan in Massachusetts, I, um, I was very depressed, even though I was living out here in Wisconsin. So I, I couldn't sleep. So I went to an all-night supermarket just to, to walk around. Uh, I remember I was pushing an empty cart, tears running down my cheeks. And I said, I, I need a hobby. I need to collect something. And uh, I turned down the condiment aisle and I remember walking past the ketchups and the olives and the relishes, the mayos, the pickles, nothing. Suddenly I was in front of the mustards and I heard a voice that said, if you collect us, they will come. That did it. So uh, I began collecting jars of mustard. That was 1986. I was still working uh, actually, uh, I, I was an assistant attorney general for the state of Wisconsin uh, and doing criminal appeals. So I didn't quit right away. Uh, but five years later, 1991, I said, that's it. I was just having too much fun collecting jars of mustard, tins of mustard, mustard memorabilia. And I said, that's it. I'm just, I guess it was my midlife crisis. So I quit and I opened Uh, what would become the National Mustard Museum uh, in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, uh, a small village outside of Madison. It's about 20 miles outside of Madison. Uh, We moved to Middleton uh, about 11 years ago, and it is now the world's largest collection of mustards and mustard memorabilia. I love that. I love that story. I think sports fans everywhere can relate to uh, the gut-wrenching feeling when your team has a chance to win it all. Oh, it was so through. close. It was <laughs> so close. So close. And I wonder what would have happened, you know, had they won? 
had they won that game, would I be collecting mustards now or would I still be uh, maybe retired from the, uh, uh, the Justice Department? But um, I don't know. I think it was probably for the best. So Bill Buckner, I forgive you. <laughs> well, I love that. You know, it's it's interesting the different paths that our lives will go based on events that happen around us. Uh, and, you know, some people will collect, I mean, I've, I've talked with, uh, people on the show that collect, uh, Cracker Jack toys and, um, mustard. That is, that's a new one for me. When I, when I came across the museum online, I thought this is fascinating. And, and you share that story online on the website of going down the, the shopping aisle in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Why mustard? What, what was it about the mustard versus maybe ketchup or olives that, <laughs> that called to you? Do you have a love for mustard? Uh, did that exist before uh, this trip to the grocery store? Yeah, I always liked mustard. I, I certainly wasn't obsessed with it like I am now, I guess. Um, and I like to tell people that it's not that I chose mustard, but in a way, ch- mustard chose me. Um, you know, it was mustard that spoke to me that day. And I have no idea. I, I always wonder what would have happened if instead of the condiment aisle, I was walking down the feminine hygiene products aisle. <laughs> right. Right. I don't know if people would be coming to my museum then. Right. Well, you know, uh, if if you collect it, they will come. Right. Yeah. And also there is something about mustard that that's it's got uh, great history. It goes back centuries. So uh, I I don't think it was uh, totally an accident. And I did use mustard in cooking uh, before then. And uh, I certainly remember uh, mustard in the refrigerator when I was growing up in Worcester, Massachusetts. There was always some mustard, uh, and we always put it on hot dogs. Um, so that, and, and I remember going to Fenway Park uh, and having a Fenway Frank uh, with mustard. So it was something that I think that was part of my DNA, I guess, um, or, or maybe it was just the the water. <laughs> there was something in the water. Um, <laughs> growing up in Worcester. Uh, I love that. There's, uh, you know, you, you can feel the nostalgia there that, that mustard has. Uh, and, and you mentioned some good points, right? Mustard is this amazing ingredient as an emulsifier and vinaigrettes, you know, it's used in a, a wide range in cooking and, and there is a history behind it. Oh, there's a great history. It goes back centuries. You know, it's not a, it's not one of these condiment come latelys, right? Yeah, and and that's what I think uh, draws me to mustard over other condiments for the the topic of an episode. Tell me a little bit about the history of mustard. When did people start using mustard? Well, mustard as a spice has been used for centuries, certainly uh, uh, even in uh, ancient Rome and ancient Egypt, uh, it was used. In, In fact, if you think of it as a spice, it's probably the second most popular spice in the world, uh, you know, second only to pepper. Uh, but um, we know that mustard as we know it today um, was certainly around in, uh, in uh, Dijon, uh, France in the 13th century. So that much we know. 
Uh, and even uh, before then, uh, mustard was used in many of the sauces of the ancient Romans uh, as well. So it certainly goes back a long time and certainly uh, back in Shakespeare's time, uh, mustard was very popular. In fact, Shakespeare mentions mustard in four of his plays. He never mentions ketchup, never. So, you know, for example, um, what say you to a piece of beef and mustard? I, a dish I do love to feed upon from Taming of the Shrew or his wits as thick as Tewksbury mustard. There's as much conceit in him as in a mallet. Uh, and you'll find that I think in Henry the Fourth, part two. Uh, then there's the character Mustard Seed uh, in Midsummer Night's Dream. And then the, uh, in As You Like It, uh, Touchstone the Clown tells a riddle about mustard. So, um, you know, certainly it's been part of culture um, uh, for a very long time. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic to see that evolution from spice to condiment. Um, and, and then in recent years, I mean, how has mustard continued to evolve? Well, in, t- in many ways, uh, certainly, uh, and, and, and you can trace this back to France in the 18th century when there were many different flavors of mustard. Uh, right now, uh, we host the annual worldwide mustard competition. We've been doing that for over 25 years. And uh, there are 17 categories. So mustard is certainly not a one-dimensional condiment. Uh, you know, for example, yes, there's yellow mustard that I think everyone's familiar with, uh, but there are uh, brown mustards, deli mustards, honey mustards, fruit mustards, uh, pepper mustards, uh, you know, ma- made with uh, jalapenos, with habaneros, with all kinds of things. There's curry mustard. Uh, so there, there's so many different varieties of mustard. So people who think, well, it's just yellow mustard. No, it's not. There, there's a lot more to that. Yeah, I think that's the the common misconception uh, around mm-hmm. mustard, and I think we'll talk about right. it in a minute when we talk about you know why is there a lot of hate directed at mustard when really there's there's just a such a broad scope. You know, maybe you don't like one variety of mustard, as in yellow mustard, but maybe a curry mustard or a honey mustard might be more appealing to you. Well, in fact, uh, when people come to the Mustard Museum, there's the nonprofit museum, which is a real museum. We're a 501c3 uh, because we do have uh, on display uh, not just uh, over 6,000 different mustards from all over the world, but mustard tins, mustard art, um, mustard, just about everything. Uh, But uh, up in the gift shop where people can taste different mustards, uh, well, people will say, oh, I, you know, I, it's all just yellow mustard. No, it isn't. And we find that honey mustards, for example, are very popular and uh, very uh, approachable for a lot of people. Yeah, I've personally, I haven't always been a fan of the yellow mustard, right? But mm-hmm. then I start eating uh, sausage, like a, a good bratwurst or, and, and I like a good spicy brown mustard on that. It gives a little bit of a, a bite to the, the sausage and, and a little touch of heat. And I think that, uh, that's, that experience has opened my mind to mustard in a lot of different ways where with all these different varieties, all these different flavors, all these different, uh, 
iterations on what you might think is classic mustard, you can really match mustard to a variety of dishes. You can uh, bring out different flavors and dishes and uh, in, in ways that you couldn't do otherwise. Yeah, and chefs, of course, uh, love mustard, especially Dijon mustards. There are a lot of great recipes. You know, you had mentioned uh, uh, dressings, you know, as, as an emulsifier because a good Dijon vinaigrette, but also mustard cream sauces, which are very easy to make. Uh, you know, for example, all you have to do is you, you cook something in a skillet uh, and then you deglaze the pan, uh, add heavy cream, uh, reduce it, and then add some good Dijon, strong Dijon mustard, you know, off the heat because you don't want to heat the, the mustard. There, there's no reason to heat it because it'll actually lose some of its kick. Um, but uh, you put a couple of tablespoons of uh, good Dijon mustard, either smooth or grainy, uh, and you end up with a delectable, delicious mustard cream sauce. It's fabulous. Yeah, that sounds that sounds incredible. Uh, lately, I've been in in the kitchen. I've been experimenting more and more with roasting meats, and trying to make a good pan sauce has been just absolutely uh, difficult for me. But that's one that I think I'm going to try next. That sounds amazing. Oh, it's it's so easy, and you know it your guests will think, oh, you spent hours uh, coming up with this sauce. No, you didn't. You know, that's that's great fast food French style. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the museum for a minute because sure. clearly this has become your life's passion. And I think it's incredible to hear people talk about things that they're passionate about. And, and I always learn something when I'm able to connect with someone on that level. Um, tell me about the museum itself. Um, how many different kinds of mustard? And then what's the rarest mustard that you have in your collection? Well, there are 6,281 different mustards in the collection right now. And, um, but I, the rarest mustard, it's probably not something that you would consider rare by itself, but I consider it the most important mustard um, in the collection uh, or the most, the one that I would, I would want to keep. Um, if, if I could only save one mustard, it would be this one. Uh, and, and it goes back to uh, April 20, 1987. Uh, I was, uh, I had just started collecting jars of mustard. Uh, and at the time, uh, I was still an assistant attorney general. And I had the opportunity to argue a case at the US Supreme Court. And what, what happened uh, was that as I was going to the court, I was leaving my room at the Hyatt in Washington, DC. And I noticed a discarded room service tray and on that discarded room service tray, you know, uh, when you're done with room service, you just put it outside the door uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully within a week or so, someone will pick it up. Mm -hmm. uh, and I saw a little jar of mustard and it had not been opened. Um, I don't know why. Obviously, the person, uh, you know, for whom uh, the tray was delivered was condimentally challenged. Uh, so uh, I saw and I said, I don't recognize this. It was a jar of Dickinson stone ground mustard, a very ordinary mustard, I suppose. 
but it was one that I didn't have in my collection at the time. So I'm thinking, would it be theft for me to take this jar of mustard off this room service tray, one that the hotel was not expecting to get back, but they could reuse it because the safety seal was still on it. So I didn't have time to research the issue thoroughly. So I think I did what every good lawyer would have done. I just took it, right? <laughs> and uh, not only did I take it, but because I did not have time to go back to my room, I brought it with me to the U.S. Supreme Court. And I argued that case, Griffin versus Wisconsin. You can look it up. Um, and uh, I argued that case with that jar of mustard in my left pants pocket. And I won the case. Uh, five to four was the vote of the court. And uh, that mustard is on display. So is it rare? I don't know that it's, a, it's considered a rare mustard, but it's to me, um, it, it's an important mustard and it reminds me of something, uh, a very special day, uh, obviously in my life. And it, there's a little exhibit, it's called the Supreme Court Mustard. So I guess you could call that the, uh, the, the, the one that's most rare because it's the only mustard that ever appeared uh, in the pocket of a, of a litigant at the U.S. Supreme Court. I guess that makes it rare. I, I love that. I love that story. And I, and I think that's a really great way of putting it. Instead of saying rare, saying uh, if you could only keep one, yeah, that's, that's what it. you would keep. You know, it's not necessarily rare. Um, I mean, we also have a mustard pot that was given to us. It was mustard number 2,500. It is a truffle mustard from Deleuze, uh in uh, France. Uh, but um no, I, I think it's it's the Supreme Court mustard that to me is the one that that means so much, uh, so much uh, to me personally. Yeah, I love that. What is the weirdest or strangest mustard, m mustard that you have in your collection? Well, I know we have one. It's from England and it's made with nettles. You know, those are those prickly things. Mm hmm. It's made, it says, you know, with young nettle leaves. I've not tasted it because we don't taste the ones that are in the museum. Uh, but that one to me seems odd. Uh, we also have a, an anchovy mustard in the collection. Uh, but I think the, the one with nettle leaves, um, I, I guess it's for people with sharp tongues. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so are there any mustards that you've been trying to add to your collection, but somehow, some way they keep eluding you? You know, I don't think there are any particular mustards, but I know there are, as I research uh, mustards around the world, um, even though we have, you know, 6,281 different mustards, there are always a few that we don't have. Uh, and it's not that I, I don't, I know of them and I can't get them. It's just that I'm discovering them. And what happens is I'll usually write to the mustard company or email the mustard company and say, would you send me some? Uh, but we also uh, are able to get new ones every year uh, with the worldwide mustard competition as we uh, spread out, uh, you know, uh, in terms of the, the, the fame, I think, of the museum, uh, the notoriety in the mustard world. Um, we get mustards that get donated. Uh, we just got one from India uh, this past year. Uh, we actually got a case of them uh, for the competition. 
uh, and this is a, this is one that we had never even heard of. So it, it's not that there's a an elusive holy grail of mustard that we haven't gotten yet. It's just that there are some that we don't know of yet, and we're discovering them. Uh, you know, every week. You know, we'll uh, as I research uh, mustards around the world, um, and even through the U.S. Um, this is how we. Um, this is how we find the new mustards. You know, right now, um, you know, with 6,281, our goal is 6,282. Yeah, I think that's a really fascinating take on that, where I would say most cultures incorporate mustard in some way or another. Yeah, I mean, we've got it. We've got mustards from, uh, I think, more than 80 different countries, and some uh, are fairly surprising. We certainly have mustards from Russia, um, from Belarus. Uh, we've got them from all over, really all over the world, from Sri Lanka, from India, um, from Japan, from China. So it, it, it's, it's, it's different. Like, for example, you know, people collect baseball cards. I used to, you know, when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. If you collect baseball cards, um, you can determine how many there are out there. So if you collect, uh, you know, 1974 baseball cards, you can determine how many there were. And if you're missing one, you know, you, you say, that's the one I want. I can't do that with mustard because there are always new ones popping up. And sometimes uh, they're from very small companies. Uh, and they can be very elusive, but it, it's it's not it's not something that is um, definitely knowable because we just don't know what's out there. And, you know, new ones come up, and we're always looking for them. Yeah, that's. Is there a country that comes to mind that was maybe the most surprising to you that that they uh, use mustard in their culture? Well, um, you'll find yellow mustard, for example, all over uh, South America, um, which is, again, uh, fairly surprising. But you'll also find uh, so-called Dijon mustards made uh, in in South America. You'll find so-called Dijon mustards. And again, the word Dijon mustard is not something that is specifically defined outside of France. Uh, You cannot make Dijon mustard just... uh, with any kind of mustard seed. In France, it has to be made a particular way. Uh, Here in the US, for example, anyone can call its mustard Dijon. You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing there. But I I have been surprised at some some mustards that we've discovered from, really from uh, fairly unlikely places. Uh, Scotland, you know, had some, uh, really some fascinating mustards, uh, different styles. Uh, but I guess that's something that you'll find everywhere. Uh, I think chefs and uh, companies all over the world are now experimenting with different flavors of mustard. Yeah, it seems to be one of those things that uh, there's a lot of room for experimentation, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, because mustard is, you know, think of it as a palette, um, a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the only thing that is common with all of them is the canvas and how you, what paints you put on it is really up to the artist. Right. So why do you think people dislike mustard? Well, I think people, uh, you'll find some people that dislike any condiment. 
Um, but yes, there are some people that probably say, oh, I don't think I like mustard because they haven't tried different kinds. You know, maybe they're just used to yellow mustard and they just don't like that. Although, you know, I have a friend who, who just loves yellow mustard. That's his favorite thing. Uh, but I think it, it's, it's maybe that people have not tried different varieties. And one of the, uh, the most gratifying experiences that I have at the Mustard Museum is getting someone to taste because up in the gift shop, which is separate from the museum, uh, is getting people to say, oh, I don't think I like mustard. And then they'll start tasting some of the different mustards and they'll say, oh, this one I like. Um, or said, I didn't think I liked this you know, and they, they do. So um, I think it's just, um, and, and it may be something that in this country, in this culture, in the U.S. particularly, um, it, it's a little different. Because in France, you know, people, kids grow up loving mustard, you know, good, strong Dijon mustard. Uh, I always tell people that according to the National Condiment Research Council annual report, ketchup is now the leading cause of childhood stupidity in America. <laughs> I'll agree with that one. <laughs> Which is why one of the things I did to try and encourage children to eat mustard is I wrote a book called, it's a children's book called Mustard on a Pickle about uh, a little boy who puts mustard on everything. Um, so, and um, I think, oh, hundreds, you know, of those have been sold and or given away. Um, I, I often, you know, just give them away to little children. Um, and I think, you know, kind of like Popeye and spinach, um, mm -hmm. maybe, uh, just to, to get children to associate mustard with uh, a fun thing or a fun character, um, is, is one of the things that we try and do. So what would you say to that person that insists on putting ketchup on their hot dog? Well, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, the movie Sudden Impact, uh, it's a Dirty Harry movie. At the very beginning of the movie, uh, Dirty Harry is at a crime scene, a murder scene, and he sees um, one of the uh, one of the uh, police officers eating a hot dog, um, and he looks at him and he says, "Nobody, I mean, nobody puts ketchup on a hot dog." <laughs> so if if uh, if it's good for Dirty Harry, it's good for us, and it's good for everybody. I love that. What's the weirdest way you've seen mustard incorporated into food? Well, um, French's, which is now owned by McCormick. And I, and I will tell you, by the way, that French's is a uh, donor to the nonprofit museum. So, uh, but, but this is, but I think they're actually doing a really good job at, uh, at creating some, some new things. For National Mustard Day, which we host, we've been doing that uh, for over 30 years now. Uh, National Mustard Day, the first Saturday in August. Last year, they had a brewery, I think in Colorado, uh, make a mustard flavored beer. That's unusual. I tasted it. It was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, there's also been mustard ice cream. In fact, um, we traditionally uh, get a frozen custard company in Wisconsin to make a batch of frozen mustard custard uh, for National Mustard Day. Um, so I suppose um, that's unusual, I guess. Uh, this year, French's 
I had a bakery in Massachusetts um, prepare hot dog buns made with mustard. So that way, interesting. Can, yeah, that way uh, is it's kind of a double whammy. Uh, you can put uh, uh, mustard on your hot dog, and there'll be mustard in your bun too. Mustard two ways. Yep. Yeah, Actually, three ways because um, uh, often uh, you will find dry mustard in hot dogs themselves. Uh, okay. They don't really get flavor, but they're there as kind of an emulsifier as well, because you'll see water. Well, why mm -hmm. doesn't the water drip out of the hot dog? Well, because of the dry mustard, the mustard flour that's in there that kind of keeps it in suspension. So you're getting it three ways. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'd imagine, you know, I, I can imagine people listening to this and thinking, oh, ice cream. I, I don't think, and that's one where I think actually it might make a lot of sense where you kind of have that bitter vinegar from the, uh, from the mustard, but um, sometimes bitter and vinegar brings out a lot in uh, the sweetness of something that you're trying to eat. Yeah, it does the also, of something. you know, think about honey mustard. Well, if people like honey mustard, they're probably going to like a, a, a good honey mustard ice cream. So Exactly. Know, that exactly. sweetness really does it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I have enjoyed the conversation today and learning more about mustard. What could I expect from a visit to the museum? Wow. Well, you're not only going to see the world's largest collection of mustards, but there's some fine mustard art that we have. Um, uh, we, we also have an extensive collection of antique mustard tins and old boxes. We have an exhibit on mustard and medicine. Uh, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with it, but before we had aspirin, before we had antibiotics, uh, mustard plasters, mustard rubs, and mustard ointment were probably the most popular uh, tool in a doctor's um, uh, med uh, medicine bag. Uh, so it was quite common uh, for a mustard plaster to be recommended. Uh, and in some countries, uh, I, I know in Russia, for example, you can still get a mustard plaster in a few other countries as well. So we have an exhibit on mustard and medicine. Uh, what we've done last year, we published a book called The Art of Mustard, and it has more than 600 um, photos of exhibits in the collection of uh, artifacts, pieces, old ads. Um, and it, it's really something that you can find on our website. It's called The Art of Mustard. And it is a real museum book. Uh, and it's essentially the tour of the museum. Of course, you will also see, um, you know, the, the famous Supreme Court mustard uh, that's on display there. Uh, we've got an exhibit uh, from Canada uh, because Canada grows probably the best mustard seed and the most mustard. That's where most of it um, uh, is grown for U.S. Um, usage, um, not here uh, in the continental U.S., although some is. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think you, you'll have a good time. You can also play mustard ring toss. We also have the world's only, uh, the first and only all mustard vending machine. So oh, that's can, interesting. So uh, you can uh, do that. There's an exhibit about mustard and horseradish and how they're related. Uh, and that's sponsored by the Silver Spring Company, which is a mustard maker and also a horseradish producer as well. 
So you'll, you'll find, of course, uh, hundreds of French mustards uh, in the collection and old mustard pots, uh, including uh, some antique um, English uh, sterling silver mustard pots. We have a collection of those, German mustard pots. So it's, it really is the history um, of everything uh, seen through a kind of mustard uh, tinted glasses. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think uh, it, it definitely sounds fascinating. And I love that, uh, that it's just, it's so unique, uh, you know, it, and that's what I think really grabs me about it and about your story is that it's just, it's full of passion. It's, it's so unique. Yeah, the other thing we did, and you can find it, uh, and again, all proceeds from not only the book, The Art of Mustard, but also uh, from a game that we designed called Please Pass the Mustard. Uh, and you can get that also on the website, Please Pass the Mustard Game. And the object of the game is to fill, uh, fill up a menu, a plate um, with mustards and the foods that go with them. And uh, what you can do, however, if you find that one of your opponents is getting too close to winning, you can play a ketchup card uh, on them. Because as we know, ketchup will ruin any dish, right? <laughs> no, it, you know, it's, it's fascinating, though. You, you look at mustard and how integral it is to a lot of uh, French cuisine and uh, and culinary delights around the world and no one's saying that about ketchup right 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 in fact one of the other things that you can see at the museum we have uh, the theater and you can watch um, a video it's uh, i think about 25 minutes long on uh, the history of mustard and how it's used in different cultures and how it's grown up in canada as well uh, so it's it, it's a it's definitely worthwhile uh, visiting. By the way, uh, admission to the museum is free. So you know, I, I encourage people to come to the National Mustard Museum in Middleton, Wisconsin, to check us out on uh, mustardmuseum.org and mustardmuseum.com. Um, so uh, you know, come visit. Yeah, uh, I think that was one thing that really surprised me when I was looking around on the website is that the admission is free. And I mean, I can't think of a better reason to stop by and visit, right? Sure. And people, you know, we, we got a, a, an interesting review, a Google review, uh, giving us five stars saying, you know, if you love mustard, uh, you're going to love this place. And even if you don't, you're still going to love this place. So even for people who, who think they don't like mustard, uh, you're still going to have fun because museums should be fun as well as just educational. And this is both. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, well, again, I, I really appreciate the, the time that you've given to this today. Um, one last question. Yeah. Usually, so I, I do, I, I've interviewed a lot of restaurants, a lot of businesses that have been in business for some of them hundreds of years. And uh, when you have something operating that long, you're going to have many ups and downs and experience a little, a little bit of luck along the way. Uh, is there any luck that you've experienced along the way that's kind of helped keep this dream alive for you? Well, I suppose it was, it was luck uh, in a couple of instances. One is the fact that uh, we got to be, my wife and I uh, were on the Oprah Winfrey show 
uh, uh, several years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, that brought us a lot of attention too, uh, and a lot of people that, uh, in fact, uh, that uh, groups that want to book tours, uh, because we do have tours. I've got a tour uh, tomorrow uh, of about 180 people coming to uh, the museum during the course of the day. So um, I think that was uh, obviously a fortuitous thing, you know, just, you know, being on Oprah. Um, is a, is a, was a great thing. Uh, we also uh, partnered with a radio station uh, in Chicago, WGN, uh, to do a mustard, and we donated uh, over half a million dollars to the WGN Media's Kids Fund um, from, uh, it was a dollar a jar for every jar sold. Uh, oh, so wow. that was a, a great thing. And it also brought a lot of the Chicago people, uh, th th their attention. It, it, it uh, they said, oh, a mustard museum, you know, cool. And uh, then they, uh, they then discovered the mustard as well, uh, <laughs> even though the mustard is no longer being made because the radio personality is no longer around, um, but still people remember that. So uh, there have been some very fortunate um, circumstances that have uh, come about us. Uh, we're, um, we're just happy that people discover us and, um, we're just grateful for that. And we love it when people visit. Yeah, I love that. We'll make sure, you know, I, I took some good notes as we were talking. I'll make sure to, uh, to link to the website and also make it easy for, uh, link directly to, to those books and the game as well. I know there are a lot of people out there that will enjoy that and hopefully, you know, we can get some more people interested in mustard, right? That's right. Yep. Another mustard lover is what we're looking for. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right, James. Great talking to you. Special thanks to Barry for coming on the show today. If you are interested in visiting the National Mustard Museum, make sure you follow the links in the show notes. And I also have links to the mustard game and the book to make it easier to find those as well. As always, if you like what you heard, make sure you leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week. Mm -hmm.